It's by the grace of God that each and every one of us is saved. And by the grace alone. The enemy wants you to look to yourself, to your own performance. Why? Because this is the root of sin. Man trying to meet his own needs apart from God. We hear the warning, Galatians 3.3 and Galatians 5.1. Galatians 3.3. You who have begun in the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Galatians 5.1. Do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Freedom is where God desires his children to dwell. Freedom used to glorify him. Our sins once kept us from truly glorifying God. Romans 8.8 8. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Sin kept us from doing the very thing that we were created for. In our previous state, we were slaves to sin. The law shining light on this condition. But Jesus came to our rescue. We, in the very beginning, were created, designed, destined to be united with another. We were never designed to be alone. Sin places blinders over people's eyes to make them think that they are self-sufficient, omnipotent, and in control of their world. This deception once kept us, and it continues to hold the world captive. They are blind. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Blind to the reality that they are yoked to something. You see, we, are never, we were never our own. We were never going about our days doing what we really wanted. We were either glorifying the flesh or glorifying the spirit. There is no middle. Galatians 5.17 For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit is, uh, is excuse me, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Before our acceptance of Christ, we were unaware of our captivity. The law showed us our state, but praise the name of Jesus. Jesus came to be our Savior, the one who fulfilled the law and purified us by his grace and his truth. 
He says to us, he warns us, do not be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The word yoke is a word that we're not accustomed to. We're not used to hearing that. And if you were like me when I was younger, I thought it had to do with something to do with eggs. I don't, I don't know. I had no idea what it meant. I kind of just gla- glazed over it. It didn't really look too much into it. But when people of old heard the word yoke, they knew exactly what he was talking about. What is a yoke? Essentially, a yoke was a harness. It was used by oxen and other animals to ease the work of hauling a load. It was also meant as a designation of servitude and carrying the burden of a task or mission. So, you may have heard this referenced in marriage. Marriage is, of course, a holy union where two people join together their lives, join together their dreams, join together their mission that God gave them. 2 Corinthians 6.14 speaks of yoke. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? If they are joined together in their current condition, there's really only three things that can really happen. Either they're going to run in opposite directions, the yoke will break. One will run in opposite direction, and the other will run in opposite direction, and they'll just either run in place and not get anywhere, or one is going to end up dragging the other in order to get anything done. So when we accepted Christ, we were freed from darkness, amen? Before our acceptance of him, we were yoked to fear. Jesus came into the world to free people from spiritual bondage. And for those in here and out there, Jesus desires to be yoked with you. Another way of putting it, he desires an intimate relationship with you. And all you have to do is call on him. I encourage you to take the time, if you've never opened your Bible before, For those who are listening out there, open the book to Matthew chapter 11, the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus says to the people, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. When we join him in his work, when we submit to him, he, we move as he moves. And we act as he acts. If we're willing, Jesus releases the yoke of our oppression and encourages us to take his yoke instead. Let's turn to Isaiah 58, 6. To be yoked, I'm sorry, Isaiah 58, 6. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice 
and unite the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. To be yoked to Jesus means he carries the weight. The yoke of the Sadducees and Pharisees was heavy. It was burdensome because it demanded from people to perform. They were ruthless, unkind, cold. They had every intention of the other person performing, but no intention of themselves performing. In essence, they were not partakers. They were not joining them. They only pointed the finger. There was no partnership. Our Savior, Jesus, carries the burden. And as a partaker of the work of God, which is who we are, we step into rest. He is offering each and every one of you rest in your work. The law is all about toiling in the work. Jesus is all about resting in the work. For he declared on the cross, it is finished. In the very beginning, in the garden, God gave Adam a job. Genesis 2.15 The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So Adam was essentially the first gardener. There he worked with God to take care of creation. Adam was even given the, the task of giving names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Adam sinned, and ever since then, the fall took place. Work took on a new character. It was no longer done in rest, but done by the sweat of his brow. Because of sin, man works. Because of sin, man's work became that of struggle and toiling. But I have good news for you. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Praise Jesus. Jesus brought us back to the original design. He has invited us to join him in the work. What a great God we serve. We went from toiling in the earth to now seated in heavenly places with Jesus at rest. When in union with him, yoked to him, his righteousness is imparted to us. We know that he does the heavy lifting. Yet because we are united with him, we receive credit for the work. That's the impartation of his righteousness to us. Praise Jesus that he restored the character of work. It's no longer a means to survive, but a means of praise, a means of surrender to a mighty God. It's an outward demonstration of an inward radical change. He restored work from being that of you will work by the sweat of your brow to 
my God shall supply all your needs in Christ Jesus. No longer cast out, but welcomed in to join him in his work, set free from toiling for life's necessities to resting in life more abundant. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. When we're in union with Christ, he breaks every single yoke. For freedom Christ has set you free, beloved. We are urged to use this freedom to glorify God. And the best way to glorify God is to stay connected to Christ. Keep his teachings in your ear. Keep them in your eyes. Stay rooted. Stay focused. Do not retreat. How often we carry yokes upon our shoulders that were never given to us by our Savior. The yoke of popularity, man's opinions, riches, fame, progress. These yokes are heavy. They're burdensome. Notice Jesus said, my yoke is easy and light. He called you to work alongside him. And he sent you the power, the ability to do the work, the Holy Spirit. When we keep in step with Jesus, we are demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus wants you to cast your care on him. Cast all your yokes to the floor before the king. He desires for you to rest in his work as he rested in the work he did here on earth. Jesus never spent one day struggling, worrying about what to do. Do not mistake his yoke as easy, meaning that there's nothing to be done. To say it is easy means that it is, it is good. The king of the universe desires to be in communion with you and work alongside him. What majesty and what grace. Ephesians 2.10. Let's turn to Ephesians 2.10. For we, say for I, I am God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Each and every one of your lives has an intricate connection to the grand plan of the Master. Jesus has invited us to join him in this great adventure. We have the means to walk as he did. The connection to him to move as he moves and the power to demonstrate his glory. 
Nothing lacking, beloved. There is a job for each of us, and we owe it to God to figure out what that is. He deserves our complete devotion in stepping into what He has for our lives. Our lives should reflect Christ, reflect His yoke of love, reflect His willingness to be connected to another in love. Reflect his willingness to build into another person. His willingness to offer wisdom. We should reflect Christ's character. Amen? The yoke of Jesus is a yoke of discipleship. Let's review again. A yoke. Two oxen are chosen to share a yoke. The first is an older seasoned ox. He is trained and hardy from years of routine. The second is a new young ox. He has potential but is inexperienced. By sharing the same yoke with a veteran workhorse, the elder trains the young. Not only that, but the experienced one draws harder to bear the majority of the load. Since the older one leads, the younger ox does not have to wonder what to do. He learns from his mentor, gains the knowledge and skills to teach others. This very much resembles discipleship. Jesus invites us to learn of him, which is another way of saying, be my disciple. There's a place in not having to, there's, there's peace in not having to figure life out on your own. Amen. There's assurance as we follow his lead. We are called disciples when we walk and talk like Jesus, when we speak his words, when we love each other as Jesus loves us. You, beloved, who call on the name of Jesus, you, who are a Christian, know this, you are a disciple. And you are called to discipleship. Your life was changed not by being a convert to another set of rules or burdens, but by becoming a disciple, a student of the person of Jesus Christ. You encountered Jesus, a person. This should be the approach in making other disciples. We are not bringing a set of rules or new religion. We are in our lives, actions, words, and the way we love bringing the person of Jesus into that very room. Say this, I am a follower of Jesus. And I am a disciple. To be a disciple is to bring unbelievers to the knowledge of Christ. To be a disciple is to invest in other believers, to see them mature and grow up in the Lord. And every believer should have the desire to get help from other believers. Discipleship is not pride. It is very much motivated by humbleness. 
Christianity, discipleship, it's a relationship. Discipleship is not an arrival, it's a journey. And every one of us here is on a journey. We look to Jesus for the example of how to live. As a believer, there is a desire that we have on the inside to help others. Sometimes we don't know what to do with that desire. Bring it to Jesus. Remember what happened when you first believed. Scripture says it was your loving kindness that drew me to repentance. It was your kindness. It was your goodness. We should always be wearing his kindness. His kindness is a wonderful aroma. Always being gentle, kind, and slow to anger. James 1.20 For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If you're out of ideas on how to deal with a particular person, let Jesus begin. Let him begin in that situation. Just welcome him into that situation. He'll move. Amen. A disciple is a worshiper. A disciple is a servant and a witness. A disciple is a worshiper. When Jesus came, he took the cross, scorning its shame. Meaning the shame he took on, our shame. He stared it in the face and said, I have overcome you. I despise this shame. It will not hang over my beloved ever again. I took it, and they will walk in my freedom. They will walk in my freedom. There's no question about it. This freedom creates in us an overwhelming awe of our Savior. As a disciple, we are those sitting at the foot of Jesus, waiting for what he's going to do next, in awe, in surrender, in full surrender, in worship to his magnanimity. We are those, in awe of him, worshipers of his might. As a disciple, you are a servant. Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. Go into every area of your life and make disciples. As a disciple, you are a servant of Christ, submitted to whatever he tells you to do. As his servant, you are commanded to share him. Get less distracted about when and how. And in tune to the who and why. What do I mean by that? Get less focused on when I will do this or how could I do this. To focus on who is in you and why he called you. God Almighty is in you, beloved. You are his He will take care of all the questions you may have. You just yield. And as a disciple, you are a witness. I love this. We have the amazing honor of sharing this incredible relationship we have with Jesus. A part of being a disciple of Christ is being a witness to his goodness in your life. Tell the people around you what he's done in you and through you. He has, if he's comforted you in the middle of the night from crying, share that. 
Has he restored relationships which have been broken? Share it. These are not to be kept to yourself. They are attestations of God's faithfulness. You are a beautiful witness to God's faithfulness in the world, to the world. You are a shining light. You must begin to see yourself as influencers for the kingdom of God. Discipleship is stepping into the image God already sees you as. He sees Jesus when he sees you, beloved. There is a reason for seeing you perfected. There's a reason. There is a reason for seeing you perfected. We are made in his image. And in this world, in this world, all we knew before was imperfection. But I declare to you that God is perfect. And when we received the Holy Spirit, we stepped into his perfection. Not perfection from ourselves, works, but perfection that has always been. Again, we read the scripture, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In advance, which means he sees us doing the works of Jesus. He sees you in advance because he is in heaven and he sees you as you are. He has a heavenly perspective. You are truly seated with Christ. Is there any failure in heaven? Is there any failure in heaven? Absolutely not. So why you, beloved, being seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus would ever see yourself as a failure. This discipleship is big. It's a big vision of God and his plan with creation. And as far as God is concerned, it is untainted and a perfect plan. Your connection to Christ, the yoke is untainted, unchanging. So consider yourself washed and redeemed from all the shackles and yokes with tried to hold you down. Consider yourself washed. In the kingdom work, as partakers in the work of God, failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. What do I mean by that? We must understand something very important. When God says something, he means it. And it's the truth, and it's the reality of things. Better said, it's the realities of heaven. In heaven, there is no such thing as failure. This 
is the power that is within the believer. The ability to not fail in the plans that God has for you. Don't mistake this for doing everything right in your own abilities, but it's about a perfect will. It's about a perfect will and a perfect God who dwells in you to accomplish his plans in you. This is a gift from God. This perfection surrounds you because God sees you in love. You are surrounded in his favor as a shield. I love this scripture, Psalm 138, 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Just say that. Take possession of that. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Thank you, Jesus. So we understand that failure is not an option in your life anymore because you serve the God who does not fail. That, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I challenge each and every one of you to share this message with the world. Our God does not fail. He has never failed me. He will never fail you. The moment we stepped into his plans for our lives, redemption took over. Failure was left in the past, and we stepped on towards those things which God has for us. We press on. We never retreat. Amen? Amen? So begin to see the vision of heaven. Raise your eyes to see people the way that God sees them. So when you disciple another person, speak into their lives exactly how God sees them. Exactly how God sees them. Perfect, loved, lacking no good thing. Because of Him. Because of the blood. Because of His perfect work. And believe the words spoken will bring life. Begin to see yourself yoked to the perfect one. His righteousness is absolutely given to you. Nothing can take it away. In partnership with Jesus, we find our purpose, the very reason why we were made to work alongside him. To work alongside him. Lord, as we throw ourselves deeper into your plans, Lord Jesus, open us up more and more to your awesome love that you have for us and that you have for others. May we share this love, leaving a legacy of your mighty hand of protection to the next generations. We will proclaim the works of the Lord. We will proclaim his faithfulness. Amen? So that's the message that I believe the Lord gave me to give to you today. I hope that it blessed you.